Hello and welcome to the Riff Raff podcast, hosted by Amy Baker and Rosie Edwards. We set up the Riff Raff to champion the work of debut authors and to provide guidance and support for those dreaming of one day being published themselves. Today we're talking to Gabrielle Fernie, author of Lush, about writing honestly, especially when it comes to your own life. How to get those all-important words down to hit a deadline, and why it's always important to share your work with the people you most admire. I think this says a lot about my hideously middle-class daddy's girl upbringing, but that night I became obsessed with Shetland ponies, to the point where, sitting on the toilet, I am a Shetland pony. A very sassy, chubby little Shetland pony. Where's my hoof oil? I call out to Rosie in the next cubicle, only half joking. This bitch needs hoof oil! The bell for last orders rings in the bar. That'll be my call for the gymkhana! I cry, galloping out of the toilet, whinnying. Hiccuping and crying with laughter, we then decide that now would be an excellent time to try the erotic gum and sex pills. Rosie goes first. Quickly, take yours, she shouts. I'm soon to become very horny. I don't know whether it was the gum or the pills, but something has a rather alarming effect on me. Neither of us could feel less horny if we tried, but I become convinced that every man in Amsterdam is hitting on me, and I am not happy about it. Ugh, God, look at that man brazenly winking at me, I mutter in disgust. Look away, you perv! Stop undressing me with your eyes! Hi, Gabrielle, and welcome to the Rofaf Podcast. Hello! Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to, for having me. You're very welcome. Um, to kick us off, could you tell us what your book Lush is about? So Lush is unfortunately a memoir, so all <laughs> the whole story is true. Um, it documents a rather chaotic year of my life when my best friend got engaged and I lost my shit. And it's kind of <laughs> the storyline is from the engagement to the wedding and a lot of stuff in the middle. Okay. That's a, it's a pretty good summary. <laughs> it's not what's on the back of the book. It doesn't do it justice, <laughs> but it's a pretty good summary. Thank you. <laughs> so that kind of like, kind of like bridesmaids, you know? It is, yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you see that and you were like, no, that's my story. Yeah, I, was, I, I felt so much better watching that. I was like, oh, that is me. <laughs> a great person to have portray you as well. Um, so as you said, the book is based on your own story. And um, so for writers who mine their own lives, every anecdote and experience has meaning and feels important. Mm-hmm. And um so how did you go about choosing what to include in order to create a narrative? And are there any stories that you that you wish you could have kept in that you perhaps left out or vice versa? Um, so sort of there were some really big things that happened that year that had to go in. Like I went on a programme dinner date. Amazing. Oh, such a disaster. <laughs> um, and there were some stories that kind of weren't chronologically in that order, but I kind of put them in because they were too good to leave out. Um I don't think there was anything in there that we had to take out. I kind of thought, like, oh, this one had to get through the editing process. Like, the Holly, I, there's a chapter I go on Hollyoaks. Um, <laughs> and it was really bad. And they, they ended up cutting me out the episode. And I was like, are they, they going to allow this in? Because it's not talking about um, the TV station. But, yeah, that made the cut. So. Can we hear more about this Hollyoaks thing? Sorry, I haven't got to this part yet. <laughs> Did oh, you meet Tony? Who's Tony? Tony from Hollyoaks, the most famous Hollyoaks character. I think that answers the question. <laughs> if you didn't meet Tony, you weren't on Hollyoaks. Who's Tony? <laughs> Tony is like the third, he's like the Ian Beale of Hollyoaks. Yeah, that's exactly what he is. Hmm. He's, he was in it originally with Kurt and Jambo. I mean, come on, mate. <laughs> are these the character names or are these the actors' names? The, that's the, the character, character name. name. Well, I was in, so I was in a scene with John Paul 
And okay. um, I was his nurse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had one line, which was, John Paul, you don't have AIDS. <laughs> um, and I had to... <laughs> It was originally more, but they cut it down to one line, and then they actually cut me out the episode. Um, but I had oh, to perform a blood test, a fake one, and I got this horrible phobia of needles. And um, <laughs> it was a very bad day for me. <laughs> what a great story! I also though. lied about my costume size um, because I didn't want to appear a fat heifer. Oh. So I thought they might offer the part someone else. And then my costume didn't fit because I thought I'd be in like scrubs or something stretchy, but it was actually like a pair of trousers and shirt. <laughs> um, and so it was, yeah, it was a terrible day. I literally like exploded out of the shirt. Oh God. Yeah. I can't believe you didn't get to say that classic line. <laughs> well, they did play it. They just didn't show me. They, <laughs> no. they kept, just cut me out. It's very rude. I said nothing for myself. <laughs> they too. used your voice? Yeah, they used my voice. Oh wow. And a, a clip of my hands. Did you still get paid? Yeah. Well, then happy days. Yeah. I actually got paid more because they sent me up on the wrong week, so. Amazing. <laughs> is there, was there anything that you wish did get, you wish, let me start that again. <laughs> is there anything that you wish was in there that there just wasn't room for or kind of didn't quite fit with, with the narrative that you were? There is actually, everyone's always asked me why I haven't put my stalking of Colin Firth in the book. <laughs> I used to live in Chiswick, <laughs> down the road from Colin Firth. And um, became a bit obsessional. I used to work out that he was always in Marks and Spencers at a certain time on a Sunday morning doing his shop. And so I would time it so I bumped into him. <laughs> that's just normal. I, I would normal say. Yeah. And then yeah. I wrote a poem. Um, okay, because normal. <laughs> <laughs> and the opening was Colin Firth, Colin Firth, your hair is black, your penis was girth. And, um, <laughs> that's, that's, we should point out that's, that's alleged. Like, we don't know any of those things to be true. No, no, no. Um, I didn't deliver it to him, but um, that's a shame. I, yeah. So that's a crime. Like, why didn't you put that in? Let's try and probably let's try and send this. Let's order. try and send the podcast. I mean, it to, sounds to like the kind of poem that you would want yeah. to read. I followed. Um, I followed Paul Nichols down Oxford Street for probably about 15, 20 minutes once, about three years ago. <laughs> I was waiting for you to be like, when I was 17. <laughs> no, no, yesterday. Years ago. And we still should really talk gorgeous. about your book a bit. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, so, okay. We've done the what was left in and what's so, yeah. so, We've so you're, done that. So you're yeah. obviously incredibly candid and um, mm. in the most glorious, hilarious way. You've spoken in, our, in your interview with us about being, like, being too honest and testing yeah. the kind of boundaries of honesty, which is like super cool. I love that. It seems like there's kind of no detail that's too embarrassing. <laughs> it would appear not, no. Is, um, is there anything that you, like, wouldn't, like, anywhere where you would draw the line? Or is there, like, where you just thought, I'm just going to put it all out there, this is me, this is what's happened, like, just unapologetically? Yeah, it was kind of all or nothing, really. Like, I had to, if I started censoring it, I, I think it would have been the poorer for it. So I was just, I'll put everything in, I'll be as explicit as possible. And then if in the editing process it's too much, we can pair it back. But it was something my publishers said as well. They were like, just go for it. And then it's better to have too much and we can bring it back. Um, especially like me slagging off people. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to come to that. Um, but the fact that you've done that makes mm-hmm. it an incredibly refreshing read to actually read. And I'm going to say a character, even though it is based on, yes. on you, um, to, to read a female character who swears and smokes and eats shit and vomits and does Literally. lots of yeah <laughs> uh, and does lots of other stuff that all women do mm. and all too often female characters are a bit sanitized and a bit pared back in order to make audiences warm to them which ironically you are you are so lovable 
in this book. Why was it important to you to present the character of Gabrielle or yourself in that very unvarnished way? I was just kind of, I grew up reading Bridget Jones and read it, I must be hundreds of times now. And for me, there wasn't, we were sort of in this generation now, like clean eating and gym selfies. And it was, I thought it was really refreshing for somebody to just be like, look, I smoked a packet of fags last night and passed out. Um, Otherwise known as Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And for me, there was, I just, not that I wanted to be a role model, but I wanted girls to be like, look, it's okay that I'm not this perfect creature that's portrayed in the media these days. I think the way that you come across it in the book is the closest I've ever got to reading about some of my like own uni experiences and stuff. Because I was like, that is actually what we did. We just... Yeah. Oh God, I hate my parents. <laughs> my parents don't care. They don't listen to this. Um, you know, because you do. You go out and you get really fucking drunk mm-hmm. and you smoke too much and you eat crap the mm-hmm. next day. And I think it's so important that, you know, because we do talk a lot about, you know, untold experiences that, we you know, women, it's so important to have that as well sure. so that women can understand there are other people going through it. But, like, it's also really reassuring to be like, yeah, I wasn't the only one who, like, completely fucked up that exam mm-hmm. or lost that job. Because those are things that we don't really talk about either. Our real... And I hesitate to even say failures because the yeah. book is so uplifting. Oh, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't come across as, like... There's you're, a lot you're, of failure in it. Well, you're very self-deprecating, but that's not how I read it. It just... Mm. It, re- it reads as a journey through a particular period in which you are dealing with something that a lot of women go through. Mm-hmm. All of my friends pretty much are married, apart from you, Ames. So, that's my Yeah. Don't worry. And, you know, I've had all my friends get married and buy houses and yeah. have children. I'm just like, yeah, cool, I have herpes. <laughs> <laughs> which may or may not be true. <laughs> um, so, how, so your, this all kind of came out with a... Um, with a with, through a blog yes so yeah. it, and I think that's kind of like a way that writers you know often mm. break in I wondered how you worked out kind of what was from the blog how you how you structured the book because obviously it's got it's got to have a forward narrative but then how did you figure out how to structure it um so we kind of we decided the storyline would be the first chapter would be um Emma gets engaged and the last chapter would be the wedding so that was kind of the basic structure and there are some things in the book that were on the blog they started as blogs and so sort of I developed chapters around them Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, and yeah, but it was also important to sort of come up with a lot of new material to go in it. And it was it was difficult working out the timeline because it does in real life it jumps around a lot. And um, in the editing process, my publisher was like, oh, you know, it should be. You say it's Christmas and yet it's sunny outside. Um, it's yeah. So it was. I kind of had to sit down and really, really work it out. Um, but hopefully. It, I think it makes sense. <laughs> it could be sunny at Christmas. The way we're going right now, like it's going to be the sunniest Christmas on the world. I know. That's just because we're in this tiny, furry room. I'm digging my bikini out. <laughs> um, and it, kind of following on from that, in the, because it is the other thing we should say is it's hilarious. I mean, it's oh, so you. funny. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever feel that you had to kind of embellish certain scenarios, whatever, in the name of comedy? And how much do you feel? that writers should be given sort of poetic license when they're writing about their own lives and purporting it to be mm-hmm. non-fiction? It was very difficult, actually, because it, it was, a lot of it is embellished. It has to be um, in the name of comedy. <laughs> but it was very difficult with non-fiction when you're talking about real people um, that you don't embellish 
things in a way that would offend someone mm. or that just completely aren't true. Um, so it was <laughs> difficult. Um, and a few people did have to sign waivers. They kind of read bits about themselves and mainly the character of Emma and said she gave permission for it. Um, yeah. And there were things like sort of sleeping with certain boys that obviously they wouldn't sign a waiver, but <laughs> had, to be, had to be careful not to write anything that was offensive to them, just kind of putting myself down yeah, rather than that. Writing about your experience of exactly. that. Exactly. And did you, did you approach them to kind of tell them that, like, all the guys that we found? And were you like, hey, I'm going to... Would have taken too long? Oh, I get I've taken all year. I'm just, like, now in, like, self-share mode. I'm like, stop it. Just back from the microphone. There was um, one guy that um, I talk about in the book, and he point blank refused to admit that we slept together. And um, that was very awkward because then I had to go back to my publisher and be like, there is a slight problem. Oh, God. <laughs> then sort of confronted him at a party and in the end he was just like, I'll write what you want. Oh, really? <laughs> I think he like mentally blocked it out, which is a little <laughs> We've all done it. Yeah, we've all done it. So, um, so did, was it kind of like something that was, was that kind of process of approaching people and asking for it? Like, was that kind of a concern for you? Like, how did you go about making sure, like, that, that did, was, were there some people that you just changed details about them so that they weren't identifiable or were they? The, yeah, so the one, yeah, I think I'm now, so the character of Natasha, I couldn't go up to her and be like, look, I've, I don't like you, and I've said I don't like you in the book when you sign a waiver. <laughs> of course. No. Sign here and here. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, so. I say you're a dick. Yeah, <laughs> sign up. So there were certain people that I just couldn't, I couldn't even tell them they were going to be in it, um, but most people knew. Yeah. So, and were quite happy to be in it. Most people were actually really like, yeah, write what you want, which was nice, especially Emma. Um, she was great about it. And my parents. Um, <laughs> it's fortunate. Yeah, which is, yeah, they've read the blog, which I tried to hide from them for years, so I think they were expecting. Did they, did you, did you reveal the blog to them, or was that something that they... No, they hunted it, they found it. <laughs> I was like, I kept it quiet until about blog six, um, and I was like, it's, it's on Facebook, I was like, you have to be a, you have to be a Facebook member to read it, and they were like, we'll get Facebook, and I was like, no! <laughs> um, and I think it was around the time that Catelyn Moran tweeted it and it got a lot bigger that they found it um and they read it all in one night and my father's <laughs> my father's only comment was i'm not bald <laughs> it's interesting isn't it i think when when people are reading books that they know they're mentioned in mm -hmm. because both amy and i have written books that mention real people sure they all just read it for themselves they are yeah. all just scanning through yeah. to find and then they're like that's me isn't it and you're like yeah. actually no no that's not you the, the character of harold is actually <laughs> you and they're like what <laughs> like, and yeah. it's so interesting the way and kind of it's a bigger question so actually even a question yeah um of what we write as writers and how readers read it and yeah. if you how have you found that experience of, of once you've published it is mm -hmm. your life are people then reading it and responding to it they are yeah um they're kind of a lot of my friends have been like, Oh, am I so and so in the book? But it says that I do this, but then in the next chapter, I, I didn't go with you on that thing. So I'm like, Oh, it's kind of the characters are I'm not wording this very well, like kind of merge, yeah. Some of them, ways. like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but especially the guys that are with me in a romantic way in the book, they, they have all read it and pretty much all of them have messaged me. <laughs> <laughs> Which has been interesting. That sounds <laughs> like a book in itself. It is, honestly, the aftermath of Lush has been um, 
could write another book on it. <laughs> I have someone to ask you so many questions, and I feel like you might be reluctant to answer them. No, go for it. <laughs> has any has anything emerged from these guys getting back in touch? Um, yeah, one guy he sent me this stream of messages on Facebook, um, and he was quite rude to me before the book came out. He was like. Um, we were both drunk and this is the guy that originally said we didn't sleep together he was like why don't you do you know I've got all these writing opportunities why don't you write something that matters like politics <laughs> and it was like you're such a lazy writer and so we had this massive argy-bargy and then he read the book and sent me this stream of messages at like two in the morning like I was wrong really? <laughs> I take it all back yeah, you're a genius yeah <laughs> so he was obviously drunk but and then sent me a photo of himself with one of the guys I'd also slept with in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what my dad said to me as well. He was like, well done on publishing your first book, which is what you've wanted to do since you were eight years old. Yeah. When are you going to write something literary? <laughs> I was like, oh, I know. Dad. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be writing for The Economist, am I, or anything like this? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. This is way, way more entertaining. So um, as, as we, we've both written funny non-fiction memoirs, and it's a, it's a fun genre to write, but it can sometimes prove tricky to kind of place in the market especially sure. when people like maybe you haven't got a massive following and I mm-hmm. assume obviously the Catelyn Moran thing maybe you should that explain helped. maybe you should explain <laughs> what happened there because like maybe people won't have heard yeah so I started writing the blog um more for my own amusement than anything else and it wasn't really writing it to be to be a writer I was just doing it to sort of make my friends laugh really um because I was unemployed and um between jobs between jobs I was a resting actor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and I think I was on about blog five or six and I just tweeted it to Kat Moran and was like, you're one of my heroes. I love it if you read my blog, which I found really embarrassing. I'm not really the sort of person to do that. Um, and within one minute, my friend texted me and she was like, Kat Moran's tweeted you. And I was like, no, Amy, I've tweeted Kat Moran. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh God, <laughs> idiot. And, um, and then I just suddenly started getting all these notifications and realised she had tweeted me saying everyone needs to read this filthy, immoral and incredibly funny blog by Gabriel Bernie, which was insane and then everything kind of just went overnight I had messages on my Twitter um, asking me to come in for meetings with publishers oh, and wow. literary agent it was, it was immediate, it was from that one tweet. And, wow. that, and that's how it then kind of led into... And that's how it led I signed to Peter Fraser Dunlop and we started putting a proposal together for a book and yeah it was and it was something that doesn't happen to me like I've been this sort of bashing away trying to get an acting career and I was so jealous of people that sort of fell into it or had their lucky break and it happened to me in a different career so it's not something I expected at all yeah. do you think Catelyn Moran knows that she did that, that I she hope so if she doesn't, well, we I sent should. her an email, but she didn't reply. Oh, okay, <laughs> fuck her. Hey, hello. Um, no, we love Catelyn Ramsey. Yeah. So we should definitely, we have to put this together, mm. I think. Yeah. I wonder how much, I wonder, like, well, you can tell me, how um, how, how much did you arm and arm over sending that tweet? Because like, I thought about tweeting her a billion times, but then just haven't done it. And yeah. then, but then, like, you know, that that's led to this, how this has happened. Like, what a, what a fairy tale it is. publishing it's, experience. Yeah, I, I did deliberate over it for quite a while. Yeah. I was sat in my parents' shed, it's called the summer house, it's a shed, <laughs> with my laptop, um, which is where I wrote my blog, so I used to come home and just write a blog out, and yeah, I think I was just sat on Twitter and I was just like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it, 
um, not. I was more embarrassed that the people, the few people that followed me, would read it and be like, "Oh, that's embarrassing," <laughs> um, rather than anything else. But yeah, it was the best thing I ever did. My God, amazing! Oh, yeah, congratulations! How wonderful! So, so, you, would you advise kind of aspiring writers to just put themselves out there? And what other, you know, obviously Twitter's a great mm-hmm. resource. Is there anything else that you've come across that you would sort of recommend to aspiring writers to get themselves out there to be a bit punchy? Um. I, to be honest, I used Facebook a lot. When I started the blog, it was getting my friends to share it. And I used to actually force them to share it. I'd be like, you all need to share this and send them the link. <laughs> I was just like getting it out there in any way I can. Um, and Twitter, um, I say they're probably the main ones I used, really. I can't think of anything else. But I think it's just, yeah, it's just being ballsy and getting the writing out there. And it's, I, think, I think writers have this kind of tendency to think that they, if they write enough, people will just discover them. That's and, yeah, it, but and like, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen at all, yeah. Like, yeah. Just, you think that someone's going to magically discover what you're doing, but yeah. why would you if you're writing in a shed, if you're exactly. not telling someone about <laughs> exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Do you, so, so in terms of the kind of like the funny non-fiction genre, mm-hmm. how do you, what do you think you've learned about kind of publishing in that genre? Like if, you ha- if anyone out there is thinking of writing a non-fiction funny memoir, mm-hmm. what advice would you offer to them? Um, oh, I don't know. I think just... To be as honest as possible when writing mm-hmm. it, if it's a memoir, I think I think you've just got to say everything exactly as it is and from your own perspective. So the stuff I was writing, I was like, oh God, no one will ever relate to this. And I've had so many people message me like, oh my God, I thought that was only me that thought that or did that. And all my friends can relate to this. So I think, yeah, just be as honest as ballsy as possible. Yeah. And kind of don't be... I was writing stuff and I was like oh god this is so cringy and I was worrying about what people were going to think before I'd even written it and I think that's just so destructive I think just write as if it's a diary that's what I did and I wrote what I thought I found funny and just hoped other people would yeah I think I think that's quite a process sorry I think it's quite a process when you um when you're writing kind of funny stuff like when Mm. especially if you've I found when I was writing mine I was writing how I wanted to come across yeah maybe and like and and thinking about kind of being influenced by the writers that I kind of would like to have been like and yeah. so my first draft was just this human on paper that I was like well that's not who I am so like it was yeah. it was a real kind yeah. of process of working out kind of how to get that voice right mm. um, did, you, did you did you I suppose if you've been blogging in that kind of tone of voice had you was that just kind of your style of writing right it away? It was I, the criticism I get mainly from my friends the traitors <laughs> is my use of capitalization I <laughs> use it a lot and um <laughs> they're like it's too much you don't have to hammer the joke home and I was like but that's the style I wrote the blog in um I kind of wrote it as the voice in my head that always shouts things and and over exaggerates everything and it's just it is the style that came out and it's it went into the book and I know a lot of people are like oh god it's too much but it was kind of my voice by that point really and I suppose you probably have to be sorry you have to be recognized in terms of like the, if, if that's how you've written on a blog and that's where you've yeah. got a lot of your readers and a lot of your followers, mm-hmm. you, if you were to suddenly change that in the book, people might be like, well, this isn't the voice exactly. that I'm used to hearing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of, it was that filthy, loud voice um, <laughs> and style of writing, so it would be weird if I was suddenly. Yeah, one of the things you talk a lot about is your acting career and you are well your words you are incredibly funny about it in the way that in the auditions you get and the jobs that you are offered um have you found that a background in acting has helped you write in any way no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. No, it's um it's given me material. But I mean I went to drama school and there was no 
barely any written work at all. So I don't think um, training as an actor helped me to write. But I mean, it's definitely it's definitely given me a lot more, a lot of things to write about. And I've met some crazy characters that have gone into blogs and books. And so I think in that sense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you now that you're this kind of writing things happen mm-hmm. are you are you still pursuing the acting kind of stuff or are you like do you is the writing kind of more appealing now I am still on the books of my acting agent I, they haven't read the book and I think if they've read it they might drop me and <laughs> um, so I'm not particularly <laughs> if they've read it they'd serialize it do I you think, reckon yeah it's kind of it's it's got sort of tones of flea bag and yeah. going on and that real kind of actually this is what women can be like you know yeah, yeah. I think they were and um, they read my blog actually my agents and they were a little shocked by it they were like we thought we'd signed up this lovely little Welsh girl <laughs> like, no you're fucking out <laughs> uh, but yeah no I'm still acting is something that I've always wanted I always wanted to be an actor but right now writing is a lot more appealing mm. um but yeah <laughs> and do you think that it will always be non-fiction that you'll write or do is there kind of is there a call to write fiction or I would love to write fiction actually um yeah it's I I, I don't know whether I could write another memoir I've definitely generated enough material since, <laughs> since it came out but I would love to maybe write a script um but yeah, cool. a TV series that's what I'd like to do next oh I'd love to read that <laughs> who would you like to find this book or read it do you think is there somewhere out someone out there who you really like to kind of discover it and i have <laughs> given it to chili cooper oh oh <laughs> i'm yes. surprised i don't have a restraining order by now i <laughs> hunted her down she likes hunting <laughs> yeah she does she <laughs> rang her and warned her she's written a poem yeah she's written a poem ignore everything that you can <laughs> I um, found out where she lived, which was no mean feat. I went to her village and nobody would tell me. She's obviously like, they're so used to crazy fans coming. (laughs) And apparently some people go on like jilly tours and like go around the Cotswolds. But um, yeah, I was asking people, I was like, sorry, which was Jilly Cooper's house? And they were like, we don't know who Jilly Cooper is. (laughs) (laughs) Who is this Jimmy Copper? (laughs) Eventually found her address, posted it to her. And I got a letter back. Um few days later from Jilly herself this just lovely lovely letter um and she was like I haven't had time to read it yet but it looks wild (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's amazing because she's writing her next book on the FA Cup and she was with the FA Cup like touring around what she was with the cup no, she was like going to all the matches. Oh, um, she's like, just Jilly in the cup, <laughs> just hanging out. <laughs> what? She's writing a book about she's football. Writing a book. Okay, wow. That's her next. Yeah, her next book. Oh, I like that, that, that kind of footballers' wives with a Jilly Cooper. Exactly. Like, How exciting! Riding crops in it. She's just amazing. Like, <laughs> probably. You'd <laughs> assume so. Um, How exciting! Well, hopefully she'll get around to reading. So it. I hope she does. I don't know whether I should send her another letter. <laughs> I'm gonna say no. Probably wait. Thanking her for her. Poem, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe a poem. Um, so, like, with, with memoir, like, the, I mean, it, you, I seem like you have a lovely, like, light-hearted attitude to stuff, but sometimes mm. writing these kind of, like, like dark times, you know, like, mm. kind of, where where am I at in life and that kind of stuff, like, it can be quite the journey into, like, into your mind and into, kind yeah. of, like, it's quite, can be quite madness-inducing, you know? You're thinking about the world in terms of how you see it and, well, did you have any, um, did you come across any kind of, like obstacles in terms of your writing or 
was it kind of quite a fast process because of how kind of quickly everything came about did you Mm -hmm. have no because you had deadlines did you have no real chance to kind of ponder the meaning of it or or like because I I mean I I fell into quite a lot of holes and trying I'm trying more positive this time around yeah and and succeeding but I think it can be quite an intense process it is and it was quite a lonely process I thought um I kind of put off writing it ages I think I can say this now because it's public but like my publishers were like how's it going I was like brilliantly (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the the more I put it off the bigger I was like dreading like starting it because I was like it's not I was like there's so much pressure and when I wrote the blog it was for fun it was for me and then suddenly having a deadline and having somebody paying you is not that it took the fun out of it but it was for me it was I felt the pressure Mm. um, and especially trying to be funny but then I found Oh god, I went on that awful trip to Cornwall to try. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds fun. It was not. <laughs> just for anyone who hasn't read our interview with us, do you oh. want to just describe what happened? Oh my in god! Cornwall? So I came up with this brilliant idea that I would rent myself a cottage in Cornwall. Great idea. Um, so far, good. Yeah. yeah um, and write the whole book. Um, so Ambitious. I'm staring at it. <laughs> yes. Um, and I was like, you know, the cottage is the answer. The reason I haven't put pen to paper is because I'm not in the cottage in Cornwall. <laughs> Um, it came down with a wisdom tooth infection the day I arrived. Like half my face was completely swelled up and went to an emergency dentist who gave me these very strong antibiotics and said, do not mix these with alcohol. And I always thought that was like an old wives tale because <laughs> I always mix antibiotics with alcohol. Um, but it turns out these ones you really should not mix with alcohol. I was absolutely off my tits for, for days. I didn't put pen to paper, didn't write anything. I went to the Lost Gardens of Pelagon, which was a really bad idea and got completely lost. I was like wandering around in some antibiotic days. Um, yeah, it was a bad thought, I've never heard of the Lost Gardens of Pelagon, so it just sounds like a sort of euphemism. For, oh, no, no, it's... Like, it's <laughs> I went to the Lost Gardens in my mind. No, it's like this um, big... I don't even know how to describe it. It's big, like... Do you know what it is? Is it is it kind of <laughs> like gardens. yeah? It's it's like an outdoor. I remember featuring it in magazine yeah. pieces I used to write. It's kind of outdoors and there's lots of different gardens, gardens and areas but to it's huge walk around and there's like woods and yeah. bridges. Like and the kind of place you should go. Well, no, 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 absolutely not. By yourself as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Did you write anything in this time? Because I'm sure if you like well, the writing that you <laughs> produce, <laughs> just a horror, a horror story, like one long sentence. <laughs> No, I just, <laughs> it's written on a wall. So. I drew, drew some pictures yeah. for the book. <laughs> um, talking of pictures, sorry to get away because I've actually yeah, it'd be fun to talk about this all day. Um, there are pictures in the book, and mm. that's are they because we read a proof copy. Yes, are they they're in the published copy. They are. Yes. yes. What made you decide? Um, sorry, they're they're not just pictures; they're photographs of mm-hmm. from your life. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're your <laughs> photographs. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. What made you decide to put those in? I think it just gave more heart to the book and especially like there's photos of me as a child and there's a lot of things I describe in the book that are hard to believe like the life-size stuffed toy gorilla I own um named Nigel sure animals of human names (laughs) oh that's brilliant um and I couldn't I couldn't not put a photo of it in um and so we eventually decided to just have one photo per chapter and there's like a photo of me and the character of Emma in there and um the character of Rosie 
Although that picture is on the wrong chapter, I think if the books are reprinted, they're going to move, move back. It's like the, the chapter Amsterdam, and it's just the Nigel the Gorilla. I, that was what I was going to say. Like, they mixed really up weird. Rosie yeah. and Nigel the Gorilla. Poor old Rosie. And then Nigel. the one of me and Rosie smoking bongs is like the Hindu chapter. It's, like, it's not Tommy A bit of a mix up, but I think it's getting changed. Um, so when you finally did sit down to write the book, um, yes. obviously, if you'd let, if you put everything off for quite a while and, mm-hmm. and, and was the how did you eventually come round to applying yourself to the task and getting it done like what were your what's your tips it was for me it was just being re- like keeping work hours I was like right getting up at eight I took myself to Chiswick library and just sat there and was like I'm writing this many words today and I don't care if it's a pile of shit as long as I've done the words because the more I built it up like it has to be really good it was, was so much pressure so I was just like right I'm doing 2000 words it could be awful but as long as it's done mm-hmm. and then I found that sort of that sort of gave me permission then to write what I wanted and yeah it was just really being quite structured about it yeah I think that's and setting so, goals so key. yeah mm-hmm. and did you find um like often I think with memoir I'm not sure whether you think the same with this phrase mm-hmm. like when you first start writing it mm-hmm. it feels like it's one thing you know and then yeah. as you write it and edit it and work on it more it kind of develops into something bigger or something did you did you have that kind of experience yeah it was there were some moments in the book where people have been like oh that was really sad and that like was really touching and and I kind of wrote it I was like there's not gonna be a single sad moment I was like it's gonna be a riot (laughs) from start to finish and um like there's a chapter where I go on a date and I really really like him and then it turns out he just wants to sleep with me and I didn't I start that chapter thinking I was going to be really honest about that and how hurtful I found it, but it turned out that I did. So it did, yeah, bits came out that I wasn't expecting. And I hadn't, didn't even know I felt like that until I started writing it, really. So, Well, I think actually the whole kind of, like I mentioned, even just the kind of the subject matter that you're dealing with, that mm-hmm. idea of people that you love in your life sort of moving on to the next stage and feeling a little bit left behind, like that really, you know, resonated, yeah. you know, with me. And I think that will resonate with a lot of people. And I think addressing it with humour is such a good way to go. (laughs) Exactly. And I think a lot of people do that and drink through the pain and, you know, do all sorts of things to to try and deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I think actually it there is a poignancy to it. Yeah. That I think is really powerful is really powerful. Yeah, oh that's good to hear. I think yeah. (laughs) 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 Excellent work. It seems it seems like, you know, with comedy, you know, it's it's a lot of what's what's funny is the sad stuff anyway or, yeah. like, or like the that kind of bits. yeah you know that's what I often find the, the funniest stuff is the sort of like the most depressing stuff yeah yeah making a joke of it yeah mm. so do, in terms of sitting down to write something funny mm-hmm. do do you have any because like some people do like elaborate routines and stuff to kind of like get into like the play, yeah like play <laughs> music or like you know do, so, do something yeah, yeah. 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 Then, <laughs> now. that's what I do <laughs> put that's on my circus like yeah. outfit <laughs> Don't go to Chiswick Library and then on to M&S to try and catch Colin. It's a full, it's a full, <laughs> it's a full day's day. work. No wonder it took you a while to get flying. Like, you know? Now we all know that um, Colin Firth lives in Chiswick. Well, I would imagine he's probably he, moved by now. Well, but... yeah, he um, he might have done. He did plant some very tall trees to obscure his house. And I can't help but feel it was partly my fault. I saw Adam Kay in Chiswick. Did you? I did. And I should have said hello, but I didn't. I just walked past. Oh. We know each other. This is weird. <laughs> so we don't weird. really know each other, do we? No. You have said he would have said He would have said that. He would have had yeah. to. Exactly. <laughs> Rude. Um, so, are you writing another 
book, please say that Gabrielle is going to ride again. I wrote that question deliberately to say, can oh Gabrielle ride again? God, that's so great. <laughs> Will she? I don't know. I hope so. If they let me do another one. I would like to do another one. But, yeah. Um, they'll let you but, oh, but are, you, are you writing anything as we speak mm. or are you just write, like enjoying this like wave of I have like started writing some ideas um, some script ideas as well mm. um, so yes kind of getting things down at the moment but <laughs> hopefully there's some things in the pipeline yeah we'll go and put your circus costume on yeah thank you so much thank for joining so us much, guys. The Riff Raff Podcast is hosted by co-founders Amy Baker and Rosie so hey at Whilst we have you, not that you can go anywhere, um, we'd like to bend your ear about an amazing new service that we've just launched. It's called the Riff Raff Manuscript Shakedown, and it's for any of you who are looking for proper constructive feedback on your writing. It doesn't matter where you are in the writing process. We've got options for everybody at different prices, because let's face it, nobody goes into writing to become a millionaire. Although J.K. Rowling's done pretty well, and Stephen King, and J.D. Pickard probably earned a bit. Anyway, um, the Riff Raff Manuscript Shakedown is the friendliest manuscript feedback service in town. And if you dream of getting published, we really recommend you check it out. I mean, we would definitely say that, but still do it. You can find all the details on our website, the-riffraff.com.